I'm so privileged to come back to Trinity, and this time round to get an opportunity also to share uh, from the Word of God. I remember in 2012 when we came, uh, that preference was given to the bishop, so for us we had an opp opportunity to just to say hello, and I thank God today I'm coming back also in that same capacity to stand before you and speak the Word of God as a bishop. Um, as you are aware, uh, Bishop Jackson uh, was promoted and uh, he was given the responsibility to oversee the entire church in the province of Kenya, and he's doing amazingly well. Um, he will be with us over for New Wine, so he's coming tomorrow, and those who will come down probably will, you will meet him. I received lots of greetings from my wife uh, and, my, and our children. We are blessed uh, with four children. We have three girls and a boy, and God has been doing amazing things in, in us. Um, I will be bringing the message this morning from Exodus chapter 3. That will be our main text. I'll read some two verses, verse 7 and 8, and we shall hear what God intends for us uh, this morning. Uh, probably um, every time when we open and read from the book of Exodus, what comes to our mind always has been the story of um, the Exodus story where God called Moses to deliver the children of Israel from captivity or, or from bondage of slavery in, in Egypt. And that has been an amazing story that everyone would love to hear and get excited and talk of it and say, yes, our God does amazingly great things uh, in the lives of his people. But when we reflect back and see how that happened and how God called Moses to, uh, to deliver the children of Israel, then we are left to ask ourselves how and uh, and who he, this God is and how much he can do in our lives. So this morning I will be sharing some five key points on the practical ways that God uh, works in our lives. Verse 7 and 8 of Exodus chapter 3 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their tax masters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a great promise and, and a great agenda that God had for the Israelites and today, that's a similar story that God has for us who are seated here. That he has promised to deliver us. He has promised to take us out and to make us to be in that wonderful city, wonderful land, and a beautiful place that everyone would want to enjoy. But as we remain hopeful and await for that perfect deliverance when Jesus Christ will come back for the second time and to make us to be in the holy land in heaven, we still are here living on earth 
experiencing all sorts and kinds of challenges that even the Israelites went through. Probably their context would not be the same because none of us would be living under slavery, so to speak, in terms of um, hard labor and going through difficult situations and, uh, and doing all sorts of work. But as we know, that much as we are freed from certain issues, still we've not gotten to that perfect uh, situation where we can say truly we are free from all that which can challenge our lives. Yes, you could be okay in terms of um, uh, having enough to eat. Probably in other regions, like I've said, in Kenya, people would go and struggle and strain to, to get what to eat. Some people would strain and have difficult time to get employment. Like in our case in Kenya, a bigger percentage of those who have gone as high as getting to degree the first and the second, probably they even fail to get employment. So those are the kind of challenges people go through. And so the moment you are distressed and you go through such a challenge, then you begin to ask, where is my hope? Where is my future? I want to thank God because he is a God who delivers and is a God who can always help us. Much as these challenges would come our way, for instance, as I've said, many people would be hindered probably because of their lack of education so that they can progress in life. But some have been hindered because of lack of opportunities, much as they probably could have been having such, uh, uh, such a blessing to receive education. But the question is, even though as some of us are privileged and we have all that probably which we think can make us be comfortable and live a good life, probably sometimes we get strained and sometimes much as we have, we still feel we are not yet completely delivered. We are not yet completely uh, perfect, but we still desire. And that's why we are here this morning to call on the name of the Lord and to say, God, without you, we are unable. There are so many other things that um, human beings would not be able to do for themselves. And that's why we need the intervention of God in our lives. You can't assure yourself that every morning you can wake up full and sound. At times you wake up in the morning and you feel, um, I have some headache, I have some tr uh, trouble in, within myself, and that way you will no longer be free, and yes, you will need some attention, medical attention, so that you can continue. But even with the medical attention, we know the healing will come just from God. It can't be assured by receiving the tablets and all that. But God is the one who does it for us. Situation in the lives of the Israelites was worse probably than what we go through today. But much as it was like that, the same intervention that we desire today was also required during that time. And that's why God, because of his mercy, God, because of realizing and seeing the kind of challenge these people were going through, had to speak and call Moses. And he appeared to him, as we read from the story, that he came in a burning bush. And when Moses, who was herding the flock of his father-in-law, 
looked back and saw, he was amazed that there's a burning bush behind him, but it doesn't consume uh, uh, the, 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 the shrubs. And therefore, he was interested and wanted to go closer and to establish exactly what is this happening in, in this. And a voice came. God spoke to him and said, Please, Moses, don't draw near because the land you are standing on is a holy ground. Take off your shoes and your sand or your sandals before you approach where I am. But after, after saying all that, he went on to speak the, two, the, the, the key words which I've just read in verse 7 and 8. And God spoke to Moses and he said, I have surely seen the oppression and I have heard the cry of my people and I have come down to do one simple thing, to deliver them. Picking from those words and what God spoke himself to Moses, then we can always see and realize how great our God and the kind of practical ways that he comes and intervenes in our situation. Always we talk of God and we talk of, of God as all-knowing. We talk of God as a perfect God. We, and we give him all those kind of great attributes that God has and truly he is. But most of other things that God spoke here in these two verses would actually practically affect us in a way whenever we are in need. First thing that God said to Moses, he says, I have seen. And confidently, therefore, we say, our God sees. That's one way we can talk of our God and realize that our God is not just a God who at times may go to slumber, but he is a God who is 24-7 awake and he sees every part of the globe and he sees every part of our life. Praise the Lord. That is the God we worship today. That there's no single moment that God doesn't see who we are, doesn't see what we do. There's no single moment that God would be away from us, but his eye is always with us and he sees what we go through. When we have good times, he is still there watching. When we go through stressful moments, he is still there watching. But the beauty of God, as we read from um, the book, book of 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the Bible says, The eyes of the Lord reign through the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's the beauty of our God, and that's the goodness of getting to know Christ Jesus, so that as we trust in God and believe in him, we know that we are cleansed of our sins, and so we are counted as children of God, and so we are righteous before him. And the moment we get to know and have a relationship with Christ, then we are sure that when God sees in heaven, and that moment of need where we are really going through pain, 
He can always see us and say, you, my faithful servant, as I watch and roam around the globe, as I go around looking at my people, the Bible says he goes and he searches those who are righteous and he strengthens them. We need God to help us every time in our lives. And if you want to be strengthened, then be righteous before God. If you want your needs to be met, then be righteous before God. And the Bible says he sees. And the moment he sees those whose hearts are directed towards him, then he comes down and he blesses them. The second point about our God is that our God hears. That's what he told Moses, actually. He said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people. And the second thing is mentioned, he said, and I have heard their cry. That's the God we worship. He hears the cry of his people. Human beings, uh, we are made in a way that sometimes we choose to hear what we want to hear. Is that right? Uh, I've always seen my, my young children, uh, sometimes they want to watch television and probably uh, we come in or the mom comes, my wife comes in and says, uh, Valerie, that's our firstborn, uh, can you please go and pick something for me in the kitchen? And uh, because they are really concerned and concentrating on what they are following in the, in the movie, probably sometimes they don't even hear. And you will hear them, you say, what did you say? Yet they were just right within that sitting and our dining room. So sometimes as human beings, even as grown-ups, Sometimes somebody is talking to you, and if you are not keen and concentrating on exactly what you are interested in, what is he or she is saying, probably sometimes you may not hear what they say. But our God is amazing, and he's so great that for him, he hears everyone. He hears all our cry. He listens to our prayer. As we come to our worship service as we came this morning, for sure I've been blessed. The kind of the worship moment that we've had to raise our voices and to talk to our God. And for sure, much as we are crowded in this manner, he listens to every individual prayer and he answers because he is our God. Our God hears, our God sees. First Peter chapter 3, verse 12, that's what the Bible says. That for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears, ears are attentive to their prayer. How beautiful it is to learn and to realize that our God listens to our prayer. So our time with him, our time in church is never in vain because we are talking and praying to a God who listens and hears our prayers. He heard the cry of the children of Israel, and I know he is still the same God who can hear us today and he can bless us because he is so faithful. Third point is that God is a God who is concerned. He's a God of concern. For him, he heard the cry of the children of Israel and he saw the kind of struggle and trouble they were going through. And he didn't say, I have no issue with them, so let them just live the way they are. But he took upon himself 
And he said, these are my own creation, and I have to be concerned about their well-being, and therefore I will intervene in their situation. That's what God does for our lives. He intervenes, he gets concerned. And his concern to us is always to make us come out of that difficult situation and make us feel freed and makes us to become uh, good people and better people in the community. But one thing which we should be reminding ourselves as Christians is that, yes, God is concerned about our well-being and is concerned about our lives. But the question would be, having been given the privilege and called the children of God, sons and daughters of God, because of believing and trusting in Christ, who is our brother, how often do we as well get concerned about the well-being and the welfare of others? Many times we find ourselves closed and saying, yes, that's not about me, that's not my business, that's not what I, I, I should be interested about. Two brothers, as we read in the Bible, Abel and Cain, Cain was asked by God, where's your brother after he had killed him? And he said, am I my brother's keeper? Because for him, he wanted to clear himself and, and say, it doesn't matter whatever has happened to him, doesn't matter to me. But interestingly, with God, whatever touches on an individual person's life is also a concern to him. And being Christians, we are also called upon that we should mind about others. And we are grateful to God that Trinity Cheltenham is doing it exactly that which God has called us to do by being mindful and even partnering with others, especially us in Kericho, by enabling others also to come through and become uh, and enjoy the life that God has given to us. So let's get encouraged every time and say, because God is concerned about my welfare, because God is concerned about my well-being, and that's why he has even promised these great things for me, I should as well demonstrate that which Christ began and also be concerned about others. In many ways, we can do that by helping the people of God. The fourth point is that God doesn't just see, he doesn't just hear and be concerned, but after getting the concern, God comes down and meets the needs of the people. That's what the Bible says in verse A, that I have come down to deliver them. God comes down. He's an action-oriented God. He doesn't just realize and knows and sees, but he takes a step to ensure that he does something about the, uh, the, 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 the situation. And actually, he has demonstrated all this by sending Christ Jesus, who had to leave his throne in heaven and to come down, take all humility to die on the cross because of our sins. That's a clear demonstration of how God does and how God comes to intervene in our lives. So our great God is a God who sees, he God is hears, he is concerned, but also he comes down and meets our needs. When I hear this, I just feel to praise God. 
Because I feel and realize that, yes, he is not far from me. He, after seeing and realizing what I'm going through, he comes and he fellowships with me. He comes and he walks me through. He comes and fixes that which has remained a challenge in my life for some time. We thank God more so to realize that through Christ Jesus who came to die on the cross, today we are celebrating and enjoying and rejoicing to know that we have eternity by knowing him. Finally, as I conclude, God transforms. That's what we realize in this text. That God, after coming down, of course through the call of Moses, and asking Moses that, I will send you. Moses had lots of excuses to say, I can't talk. Well, yes, um, I was there one time and I killed somebody, so it's, I'm not the best person to be. But God says, because I have in, an intention for these people, because I have purpose to deliver them, you are the person and you are the instrument that I'm going to use to bring about the desired, the most desired transformation that my people needed. Our God is a God who transforms. Not just transforms our spiritual life, but whenever God comes, he transforms every aspect of the Christian's life by making them to become better people. I've just mentioned here how God is transforming lives through the word and the ministry of the church down there in Kirisho. By taking people through uh, agricultural um, uh, practices and how they do it well, it's not just enough, but we teach them also to become good Christians. We take them through Bible lessons so that at the end they are a complete person who knows that, yes, I came to church to get to know the word of God and now I'm saved. But he also sees a difference and say, when I didn't come to church, probably I could not have had such kind of good life by having enough to eat and also be able to educate my children and carry on with life. So that's how God transforms situations in, in, in the lives of his people. And that's why we are saying our God is great. And he comes down, not just to watch and to see, but he comes to change that which is not desirable, to make it to be better and to make it to be, uh, to be of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of great value to, to the rest of the other people. So friends, as uh, I conclude, I want to encourage each and every one of us and say, we are in the right place. And God has called us at such a time that we become his servants, that we become his children, that we become those people who come to worship him. And as we worship God, let's remind ourselves that we are worshiping a great God who hears, God who sees, God who is concerned, God who comes down to meet us, and God who can transform our situations. May God bless you and keep us forever.